And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the Hump Day edition of The Real Investment Show. You have to forgive my voice today. Uh, last night we had a client event, so I did a lot of talking last night. About to lose my voice, so we'll see how today's show goes this morning. But um, nonetheless, lots of stuff going on. Hey, new job for you available if you haven't heard. Speaker of the House. It's now available. And, and this is the interesting thing. Anybody can be Speaker of the House. You don't have to be in Congress. You don't have to be a senator to be Speaker of the House. So if you want to make your application to be Speaker of the House, that job is now available. As of yesterday, Kevin McCarthy was uh, ousted. First time ever in history that we have ousted a Speaker of the House, of course. This was kind of led by the Gang of Eight. Um, and, uh, you know, so we'll see how this all, how this drama is going to play out here over the next few days. But some names that are getting thrown around right now for, uh, you know, non-congressional members, Donald Trump. It's been put out there. You know who I think, you know, honestly, do you know who I think that we should uh, nominate as Speaker of the House? I do have a personal preference, but go ahead. Wait, you have a personal preference? Yes. Okay, well, let's see, let's see, don't, don't tell me. Okay. Let's see if our personal preferences work out. All right. Okay. So yesterday I posted an article on the website talking about our budget deficits and the government shutdown and, you know, our government shutdown is a good thing. And the answer is actually yes, if, we, if it would push us back to doing um, some type of budgetary process, as we've talked about before, since 2008, when uh, President Obama took over, we have not passed a budget since then. We've been living on these continuing resolutions, and this is why debt continues to surge. We've gone from nine to 33 trillion over the last three administrations. Um, the reason is, is that every time we pass these continuing resolutions, which is what we just did, um, that increases spending by 8%. Basically, it just takes the last year's budget, adds 8% to it, and that's your new, that's your new spending um, as you go forward. So that's why the debt and the deficits just keep exploding higher. The last time we ran a budget, basically a balanced budget was when Newt Gingrich was in office. So, you know, that's my nomination for how, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he could actually come in and fix anything, but the last time that he was in as Speaker of the House, we had about, we actually had a budget, first of all. Yeah, yeah. And it was a balanced budget. And so I don't, I don't know if he'd want to. I don't know if he'd want to, but that would be my nomination is to bring Newt Gingrich back. I'm not, like and, and again, political affiliations aside, who cares? Mm -hmm. If if a guy can do a job, then that's the guy you want, right? We should see we, as 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 citizens, we should set aside the politics, right? Who cares if you're Democrat or Republican? Doesn't matter. Is the guy you're voting for going to do the job? Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. So, and I'm not sure anybody that we're going to elect for that for that speaker <laughs> job from the House or the Senate is not going to do the job. So, yeah. anyway, who was your choice? Judge Ted Poe. I don't know if he'd want the job either. Well, I don't think he would either, but he would be a great speaker. He would be a great speaker. Have you called him up lately? Uh, it's, the, it's on my list this morning. Okay. Call him up. Say, throw hey, your hat in the ring. Judge Poe. Yeah. We used to have him on the show quite often. So, great guy. Great guy. Uh, if you don't know who, Je uh, the, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with who Judge Ted Poe was, he was also in the House of Representatives for quite a while uh, from Houston. He was, he was kind of famous in Houston for, as a judge, why his name is Judge Ted Poe. Uh, he was quite famous in Houston for the sentences that he would dole out to individuals that would come before him in court. 
um, you know, for like make him stand on a street corner with a sign, like one of those sa- those sandwich board <laughs> yeah. signs, or um, you know, wash cars. It's very creative stuff, you know. And these were, of course, for misdemeanors issues. Yeah. Nothing, nothing serious. Um, but uh, it, it wasn't just a little pat on the wrist and send you off on your way for having an excess speeding ticket or whatever. He would make you go and do kind of onerous <laughs> task. But that's what made him famous. And so anyway. Yeah. If you don't know who Judge Ted Poe was, that was... Google him. Google him. It's interesting and probably before most of your time. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, lots of stuff going on in the markets, of course, uh, yesterday. And we're going to get into a lot more of that this morning because um, yesterday certainly seemed like what, we are, what we're going to term a liquidation event. And again, kind of the, the very sentiment, lots. And of course, you know, as always is the case, the media is stretching to find, you know, what's the reason for the sell-off, you know. So we, we start applying all these different things for the reason to sell-off, like the Jolt's uh, job is pushing yields higher. And that's not really the case at all. Uh, Jolts did come in stronger than expected, but in a very clear downtrend that job openings are, are declining. And, and, and again, as you, you know, take a look at data, economic data just isn't a straight line down uh, or up, right? So it's, it's going to bounce. And so we had a little bounce in the data, but the, the downward trend in the Jolts data uh, doesn't really support the narrative that the economy is just remaining super strong. But nonetheless, that's what's being attributed to uh, both the jump in interest rates and the sell-off in the markets. But that doesn't really fit the bill for kind of what happened yesterday. We'll talk about that more this morning. However, here's what you need to know before the bell as markets did sell off yesterday. And again, let's take a little trip back in the way, way, way back machine here and go all the way to June when we wrote an article talking about the sell-off needed during the summer months, right? So you typically have the weak summer months. And then just a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago, we wrote an article that said, hey, October, the weakness could continue in October because that's just kind of where we are in the cycle right now. And again, from a seasonality standpoint, as well as from the market standpoint, markets are doing exactly what markets should do. And, it's, and uh, again, while there's a lot of headlines and a lot of fear and panic right now, um, we are, are now getting to those levels of support that we talked about two and three months ago. Again, the market's been a fairly orderly decline. Nothing egregious going on. Um, again, you know, we had a sell-off yesterday. Yes, it was a pretty sharp sell-off. But again, nothing out of the ordinary that we haven't seen during this entire decline uh, that we've had really since June and uh, the peak of the markets in July of this year. And as we talked about previously, it was very likely and very possible that the markets could test the 200-day moving average on that uh, kind of sell-off because that would be normal for any type of correction in any given year. As we stated back in July, hey, a three to five to a 10% correction, certainly normal within, any, within the context of any given year. And that would line us up with about where we are now at the 200 day moving average. So again, nothing out of the real ordinary here going on other than just having a correction. And see, we seem to forget that the markets had a 15% advance from February to July. So we had this massive out of the ordinary advance for the market. So this correction so far, absolutely normal after that kind of advance. Because again, if the markets didn't correct, and this is always what happens as investors, we we think markets are just gonna go up forever. And now we all believe the markets are just gonna go down forever. So again, this is just kind of market sentiment and, and how we do things as investors. It's always important to keep some perspective about what's going on. If the market hadn't corrected and just kept on the trend from earlier this year, you have a 30% gain for the year. 
and that's very much out of the ordinary for the markets in any given year. So again, not surprising you're having this correction. Now, the question, of course, on everybody's mind is, could this correction go more, right? Could we have a deeper correction? Absolutely. If we take out this 200-day moving average, there's not a lot of support until we get down around 4,400. So there is some certainly some downside risk here if we take out the 200-day moving average should not set that aside as a possibility. But again, we're gonna get into this cluster of support that we had back in February and March. And remember back in March, we were having the whole um, event of the regional bank crisis. So there is support here if the market breaks, but again, it's gonna be right around 4,000 on the index. So again, there is certainly some downside risk. That's about 200 points lower than where the markets are sitting right now at the 200-day moving average. So again, certainly some risk here. But with markets deeply oversold here, both on a MACD uh, sell signal basis and the relative strength basis, look for a rally that's going to get you back up to about 43.50 on the S&P as an opportunity to reduce some risk if you are concerned about a deeper decline going into the end of the year. We'll talk more about the sell-off yesterday, what's driving it, what may be causing it, and where the results are from that coming up after the break. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Well, here's something you don't see every day. So, uh, Brand always has some show notes for me every morning, and just, you know, in case I run out of material because trying to fill an hour straight of conversation sometimes gets a little difficult so it always gives me something to, to, to chew on think about and you know my uh my kids are you know going to college right now to try to get a career uh for whatever they want to do my son's at uh you know working on his computer engineering degree which you know he's very excited about looking for opportunities and you know but you know as as you know when i was raising them as kids we you know we went and saw a lot of movies and and we liked you know we liked the marvel movies you know when they were good right before Disney screwed all those up. Um, but, you know, we liked the Marvel movies a lot. And, uh, of course, we saw all the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean mm -hmm. series, right? Saw all those, enjoyed those. And, you know, my, you know every kid wants, at some point in life wants to be a pirate. Arr. Yeah, Iron maybe. I have I haven't even had the voice for it this morning, <laughs> so this is even better. Arr. Um So, but it, it's interesting because uh, now there's a new job. Uh, they're taking applications right now. Uh, all, the only qualification is you have to be homeless. Um, but apparently in California, Northern California, the homeless are now preying on water and house, uh, sorry, on houseboats and yachts. So they are now homeless pirates in California. Just so. in time for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here, I'll just read to you from the clip. Uh, multiple vessels have been stolen and ransacked. Victims have had to resort to personally confronting the criminals to recover their property without the benefit of police support. That's because they stopped funding the police. Um, this is said from Harbor uh, Master Brock DeLapp. Uh, the guy even has a pirate name. I mean, give me a break. What's your name, matey? Brock DeLapp. They call me a four-finger hook. <laughs> <laughs> he says, is this appropriate for a 79-year-old senior? So Brock DeLapp arr, is a 79-year-old <laughs> harbor master overseeing homeless pirates. You can't make this stuff up. 
The 3,000 slip Oakland Almeida uh, estuary has been particularly hard hit as thieves use small boats to burglarize and steal private boats on the waterway. The pirates then use the stolen boats or old abandoned dinghies to carry out their raids. Man. So, you know, it, it's interesting because this is, you know, did you ever see the movie with Tom Hanks? Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, what, was the name, what was the name of the movie? Do you remember? Captain Smith or something like that? I yes. know which one you're talking yes, about. He's a freighter captain. He's a freighter captain, and they get they get uh, taken by Somali the pirates. Of, yes. Yeah. Captain Phillips. Captain you Phillips. You are no help well, on movie names. I'm busy over here. <laughs> but anyway, so it reminds me of that movie. You know, yeah. like the, the, the Somali pirates are in these old, you know, broken out dinghies yes. trying to go chase down these yes. ships and then board them. So where's Captain Phillips when you need him? Well, and now it's just moved to California. Yeah. Every, have you ever noticed that everything starts in California? <laughs> so I'm just saying it's going to move west <laughs> or east further. Anyway. Oh, well, if they come down here, they're going to have to deal with the Texas Navy. So I have to talk to my son this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think he would make a good pirate. <laughs> so, <laughs> son, if things don't work out for you with your uh, college degree, there's a new job available. And guess what? Neither one of them allows you to live at home. <laughs> so, it's two job openings right now. Exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was having, so we had this event last night. We were talking to clients. And um, as we were doing that, uh, you know, I was talking to this, this one gentleman. And uh, he was talking about his, he's, he's got three kids in college. And he's like, oh, you know, it's like, I can't wait for my kids to get out of college. It's going to be a pay raise. And, you know, because I won't have to, be, have to pay tuition and all this stuff. I'm like, why are you doing that? And he's like, what do you mean? He says, my kids go to college. They pay for it themselves. <laughs> so he's like, shh, don't tell my wife. <laughs> so They have a vested interest. I, I guess so. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> all right, uh, let's get to work. Uh, fun aside, got to have a little bit of levity this morning, I guess, because I don't have any good stories to tell you, unfortunately. So other than that one. <laughs> That's pretty good. It, well, it's, it's it's been it's been a slow week at the Roberts household. So <laughs> my wife hasn't done anything new and entertaining as of late. So <laughs> well, I'm just gonna give me time. It, it won't take long. It's only Wednesday. Yeah, it's only Wednesday. <laughs> I will tell you though, my my some my daughter had to. Uh, so I told you about the speeding ticket yeah, in Sealy, yeah. right? Did she so, do a court appearance? No, no. She's she's just gonna pay the ticket because oh, okay. she got one previously in. Uh, she was coming home from tech and I can't remember what little rinky dink town that she was going through and she got a speeding ticket then. And so she took her defensive driving. Yeah. So you can't do it. You have no. to wait. You have to two have years. two years. Right. right? Yeah. So, she, so she's got to pay this ticket. So and she has to pay. Yes. And she has to pay her own insurance and she pays her own car note. So mm -hmm. her insurance is about to go up. So she's not going to like I haven't told her that little bad, a bit, little bit of bad news yet. So I just just let her wait for it to come. In the yeah. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> By the way, have you checked your water bill lately? Oh, it's awful. Yeah. I, I was like, well, that or replace your lawn next spring. Well, I, I, I'm doing the math on this. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm just going to cut off the water supply to the lawn and just replace it. Because I think it's going to, if I keep watering it at this pace. Now, fortunately, we're going to get rain this week. So yeah. we'll see. Maybe we'll kind of get a little bit of alleviation. But I, I'm losing the battle with the grass yeah. anyway. Yeah, me too. It, it's not, it's not. I'm, I'm watering it like four times a week, and it's not. I just better not hear from the HOA. That's all yeah, I can say. I, yeah, that's not going to. Anyway, I digress. So anyway, so she's, surprise, water bill. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, she's got to pay the speeding ticket. Well, they only will check. They won't take a wire transfer, so no, she can't wire no, money. You no. can't Venmo money. No. Right? 
to, especially to the, to Sealy Court, <laughs> right? So they want a cashier's check. Mm-hmm. And so she calls up. She goes, "How do I get a cashier's check?" I go, "Go to the bank." <laughs> and, or, or Kroger. Or Kroger's, right? I have forgot. I forgot about Kroger's. Yeah. I forgot you could do that there. Yeah. I didn't tell her that one. <laughs> life like, hack. She, yeah, life hack. Kroger's to get your cashier's checks. Believe it or not. And a 12-pack of beer while you're there. Uh, to calm the misery of having to pay the, to pay the ticket. Anyway, um, so she's like, well, how do I do that? I go, go to the bank and find out. And so we're, we're, we're going through this. And she does not want to go to the bank. It's so funny. It's, it's you know, this younger generation. They don't want to deal with other people. As long as they're online, they'll deal with them all day long. They don't want to deal with somebody in person. That is so rampant. Yeah. I've been trying to deal with doctor's offices this mm-hmm. week uh, for, on behalf of my wife. You can't get anyone to answer the phone. Yeah. It's all no. message trees. Yeah. And nobody wants to, nobody no wants to talk to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So Very frustrating. I have, a, I have a new job this summer is that I'm going to be taking my kids around to my neighbor's houses and just make them introduce themselves. <laughs> You will learn to talk to people before the summer is over. This is my eyes are up here. My eyes are up here. <laughs> exactly. Talk to me. Actually, my son is actually very good at it. I, we, we were at a uh, he had come home for the weekend and we had gone to an event and he was with me and uh, there was a bunch of other people around. And he's actually very good at engaging people in conversations, you know, asking questions and kind of delving into things. And we were talking to this, this one lady came up to him and uh and she was like, she's like, oh, Tommy, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. And, you know, like that. And so I, my daughter, she's at, at the University of Georgia. And she's like asking her all these questions and conversing with her. And I was and I was like, I was really impressed. And she walks off and he, he looks at me, he goes, I have no idea who that was. <laughs> <laughs> I go, yeah, but you did a great job. Yeah. I had no idea you didn't know. He's like, I don't know who her daughter is either. <laughs> so, I, think, I think he's got that part licked. So, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's good. My daughter, another story. Anyway, all right. Well, I've completely wasted a segment here. So when we come back from the break, <laughs> you um, got two minutes. I got two minutes, yeah. but I'll I'll just mess around for two seconds. I don't want to start a whole <laughs> new conversation. But we'll come back and we'll talk about a little bit about the sell-off yesterday because that's what you want to know about. And you know, this is being attributed a lot to the jobless claims numbers, but I think there's more to it than that. And again, because if we take a look at the jobless claims, which were low, no doubt. Um, but they're also low this time of year because we're hiring people for the holiday shopping season, right? Halloween's coming up. So, you know, you've got people doing firework stands and, you know, getting hired for the spirit Halloween stores to go get your costumes and stuff. So, you you know, people get jobs. So that reduces your jobless claims this time of year. And this is going to continue um, as we get into Thanksgiving and then, of course, Christmas. So lower jobless claims this time of year, not surprising. The second thing is is the JOLT survey, which was, as I said in the opening, the job opening and labor turnover survey was stronger, but it's in a downtrend. And we've had these little spurts in job openings before. And again, why are we having a little spurt in job openings? Because it's Halloween coming up. So you're having people throw out some signs saying, hey, I need people for the Halloween shopping season. I, I, you know, I've got a job opening. The, the, the once a year store that pops up everywhere, the spirit Halloween stores, etc., um, you know, they pop up once a year and they need employees. So job openings pop up this time of year. They then tend to decline some more. So that doesn't really explain either the jump in yields or the sell-off in the market, which there's probably more to that story 
And we've seen this type of activity before when it's occurred. And we don't know the reason initially, but we tend to find out about it later on down the road. So we'll talk about, you know, after the break here that, you know, kind of some of the, the signs that are going on that suggest that, A, at least for now, this sell-off might be close to, close to being over. Um, but it certainly suggests that the risk of something else happening has probably risen. And so this is going to change a bit of the potential outlook as we head into not just the end of this year, but into next year. But again, this has kind of been our conversation for a while is that there's certainly clear risk on the table. But, you know, markets take a little bit of time to kind of play catch up to the economic realities. And this is you know, this is going to be the real challenge. But we'll come back after the break. We'll talk a little bit about all of this and uh, try to put a, a little bit of a face on kind of what happened yesterday. So don't go away. More of The Real Investment Show coming up right after the break. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com you know it's you know it's getting bad so we're on the break and there's a commercial on right now for duct tape and and you know it's bad because normally there's you know they're you know showing you know duct tape this is a wide version so this is this 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 version of duct tape is like eight inches wide and they're showing you how that you can instead of repairing the bumper on your car you can just use this big strip of duct tape to hold your bumper up so you know things are bad when flex duct tape super wide is now your go-to fix for things around your house so don't worry about fixing your, your bumper. It's hanging off the back. It's all good. Just slap some duct tape on it. And good to go. Is that the ad where they, they chop the boat in half and then tape no. it back together? No. That's, no, this is this is a new one. Oh, okay. So, but I mean, it's not so... I mean, look, when I was growing up, Bondo was a cure for everything yeah, on a vehicle. Right. So yeah. just, you know, if you dinged it, Bondo. <laughs> so I think, I think probably one of my first or second... Probably my second car, it was probably more Bondo than paint. So... <laughs> It ran great, raced it all the time, but a lot of Bondo on that car. Don't have to worry about rust. If I would have actually fixed the car, it probably would have weighed about 20 pounds lighter than all the Bondo it had on it. Anyway, uh, so yesterday, as I was talking about, um, you know, yields pushed higher. And, you know, that weight on stocks. Again, this has been this, you know, kind of issue as of late. Stocks and bonds both correlated, so um, bonds go down. Stocks go down at the same time. 
And of course, now the media is trying to figure out all the reasons. Okay, well, why are yields going up? Well, it was the JOLT survey. It really doesn't explain that. Um, because again, the trend for JOLTs is lower. And the economic data is certainly weakening. Employment growth is weakening, et cetera. So yeah, but as we talked about yesterday, hey, you're going to have these little upticks in data, right? Nothing goes straight down. It's not a smooth ride. It's not an elevator down where you just, you know, the data just goes down and down and down and down. Then it gets to a certain point and then it goes up and up and up, right? It's going to bounce on the way down. And so that doesn't really explain, and the market knows this, so that doesn't really explain the, the issue for the rise in rates. What I think is going on here, and if we take a look at liquidation, we've had $50 billion worth of liquidation in a week in equities. And that is one of the largest liquidation events on record. So now, could just be, you know, CTAs, these computerized trade, trading algorithms, et cetera, you know, just you know, selling assets because we're triggering certain support levels. That certainly could be the case. And when that's over, that'll be over. And then they'll start buying again. And that's and and that that group of traders, which is very large, they command hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars at their disposal. So their movements in and out of markets can certainly affect and has certainly exacerbated these moves we've had in prices, both up and down, right? We can attribute them to the rally we had earlier this year. We can now attribute them to this decline. So they have certainly contributed to the volatility of the market, but the, the magnitude of the selling uh, over the last two weeks in particular, um, when we talk about the actual dollar volume transacted, has been rather large. And then again, just recently, very sudden over the last week, we've had a, a tremendous amount of liquidation, which, which is more in line with what we've seen at previous events where the media is trying to assign some reason to it. And we don't know what the real reason is, but we find out three, four, five months later that it was a hedge fund, pension fund, something in trouble. And they were they were having margin calls, etc. And I suspect that over the course of the next couple of months, and again, if we go back to 20, a good example of this is go back to 2019. So in 2019, so remember in 2018, right, we had the Fed taper tantrum, the Fed's hiking rates, market declines by like 20%. President Trump at the time is all over Jerome Powell for hiking rates and, you know, you know, damaging the economy and, and, you know, it's all his fault. And things were kind of getting a bit stressful as we got into the beginning of 2019. By June, the Fed is cutting rates back to zero. Now, nothing's going on, right? There's some, some economic ripples, but no real fear of a recession. Nobody was concerned about a recession. Nobody's talking about a recession. All of a sudden, kind of out of the blue, the Fed's cutting rates back to zero. Everybody was like, well, Jerome Powell acquiesced to uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump got to old Jerome. Jerome's cutting, cutting rates to keep his job. Go back and look at the articles. There are tons of article headlines about this during that period. Then, in September of 2019, I was writing an article about the National Federation of Independent Business because there were alarm bells going across 
the board from the National Federation of Independent Business, their kind of recession signals were all ticking off. Now, that didn't align at the time with the economy. The economy was doing just fine. But yet, rates were back to zero. And so now we have these alarm bells going off about a recession. And then we find out in September that the Fed is doing this massive amount of reverse repo operations and just, just, just providing tons of liquidity. And there was this problem that was going on about collateral. Uh, bank, you know, People were demanding very high rates for guaranteed collateral to make overnight loans. And so, so something was certainly not right. And the Fed stepped in, started doing this massive repo operation, did like a trillion dollars worth of this stuff. And then we find out much later in the year, as we were kind of getting into December, January, February, that the Fed was actually in the process of, of basically bailing out Citadel Capital because of margin calls and things that were going on. So a lot of the action that's currently occurring, now the Fed hasn't stepped in yet that we know of, right? And we'll find out because we'll get data on reverse repos. We'll get data on, you know, these... Uh, bank term funding programs, et cetera. We'll get that data coming out soon. And we'll be able to see what's going on. And take a look at the balance sheet. Is the balance sheet uh, reduction still continuing as normal? Or did it stop? But we'll find out over the course of the next few weeks, you know, kind of what's going on and kind of what was driving this particular spat in the market. It could just be a, a simple sell program that just went kind of, AWOL. And that's happened before, too. So maybe it's a nothing event, or maybe it is something that's going on kind of behind the scenes because of higher interest rates, because of what's happening within markets, uh, the economy, etc. You know, that, that has been the overriding risk that eventually something breaks within the financial system. And the question is, is, has it broken yet, or is it just beginning to break? That's the question. So, you know, we have this, this issue of, of higher yields, which is weighing on a, a variety of, of assets across the board. But then we also have this market that's very bifurcated. You know, we've had seven stocks basically driving the markets. The rest of the stocks kind of, kind of struggling along here. So, again, this could just be a normal, typical, you know, typical kind of end of the summer type sell-off, repositioning for the end of the year. Could be that. Might be nothing. Could be something. So it's something, you know, something we certainly must pay attention to. Um, you know, we don't want to panic about it and start making drastic moves at the moment because markets are extremely oversold. And again, this was kind of interesting yesterday. Despite the rise in yields yesterday, um, utilities, which are very interest rate sensitive, did great. They, had a, they, were, they were up strongly yesterday. Uh, we had added to our position in Duke Energy early in the morning, and, and uh, utilities turned around mid-afternoon and started having a very nice rise um, into, the, into the evening because they've been under a tremendous amount of pressure. They, too, are very oversold here. So, again, you know, you got to be a little careful here, but, you know, if something is going on, we're going to start to see data that supports that something in the financial markets is under strain. If that is the case, then you can expect you, you can you can well bet that the Fed has done hiking rates, and 
depending on what happens next. Now, if the markets turn around here and just start rallying through the, through the rest of October, the Fed meets at the end of, of October, uh, 1st of November. So at their next meeting, if everything is fine in the markets, they're going to just kind of be status quo. Yep, economy's doing okay. We're fine. We don't need to do anything. We're going to, you know, we could raise rates one more time. They're going to keep that one rate hike that they've got left in their pocket. They're going to leave that hanging out there. They're not going to pull that off the table until they have to. So if we get to the end of this month and things are still under a lot of pressure, there's going to be a rising probability the Fed says, okay, we're done. If there is something breaking, you can almost you can guarantee that they're going to basically allude to the fact that they're done hiking rates. They'll say something like, um, you know, rates are um, sufficiently restrictive at this point. They'll, they'll make some comment that makes no sense, but they'll make some comment that basically will uh, allude to the markets that they're done hiking rates. And that will be because they realize that something has broken or is about to break in the financial markets. And when I say the financial markets, it could be banks, it could be equities, it could be, you know, anything. Again, the bond market's the biggest concern for the Federal Reserve. So, you know, what's happening this week? Is it a one-off? Maybe. We'll keep a watch on it. It's nothing to panic over. Markets are very oversold here. So again, look for bounce to sell into, raise some cash, rebalance your equity risk accordingly. But uh, don't panic sell here. You know, we could be on a bit more pressure here for the rest of this week. But again, we're so oversold, you're going to get a technical bounce. Then from that point, you can make a better decision about what to do with your money. Be right back after the break. Wrap up the show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So just getting ready to wrap up the show this morning. Uh, Yields down a bit this morning, so a little bit of a relief after the spike yesterday. And again, you know, yields kind of all over the place right now, and again, kind of uh, knee-jerk reactions to data. Um, one thing we've got going on with bond yields in particular, so the yield, and let's explain a couple of things here. I get I get a lot of questions about. I got a, just. I'll give you a good example. Yesterday, so um, a guy emailed me, and he had bought a, a treasury at a lower coupon a couple of months ago. And he's like, should I sell that bond and then buy this new bond because this new bond is now, you know, at 4.74% or 4.8%, you know, whatever the number was. It's a higher coupon. And I was like, it makes no difference. And he's like, what do you mean it makes no difference? I said, because the yield is the same. And this is a very important concept to understand. The yield... And the coupon are different. Those are not the same. The coupon is the stated interest rate on the bond. So let's just simple math just for a minute, okay? So let's just do real simple math. I got a one-year bond. 
that pays a 5% coupon. So I put $1,000 into it. At the end of the year, on day one, I put $1,000 in. So at the end of the year, I'm going to get my $1,000 back. And I'm going to get a $50 interest payment because it pays 5%. So my return for one year is $1,050. Okay. If interest rates go to 6%, so the next year, I, now, I have this bond at 5%. Now yields are 6%. The price of my bond will fall in price so that the difference between the current price and where it matures at par, and just follow me for a second, I'll explain the math, is the same as a new bond that pays 6%. So in other words, what has to happen to my bond in order for it to be equal to a new bond with a higher rate. So in this example, so now it's it's year two, right? I've got, and, and again, the reason this happens is why would I want to own a bond that pays 5% if I can buy a new bond at six, right? So this was the question that I got by email. And the answer is you wouldn't, right? You wouldn't pay $1,000 for a 5% coupon if you could spend $1,000 and get a 6% coupon, right? It makes no math. It makes no math. It makes no sense. The math makes no sense, right? That's what I'm trying to say. So what has to happen with the bond is that the bond price will fall to $990 for the 5% coupon. And so now you buy that bond at $990. And at the end of the year, Right? You're going to get $1,000 back because that's the face value of the bond. So you're going to get $1,000 back. So you made $10 in capital gain. Plus, you get your $50 coupon. So you get $60 in total or a 6% coupon. That's why yields are always equal. So don't worry about the coupon. Always focus on the yield that you're getting. And so if you have a bond at one price and then a new bond's issued at a higher coupon a few days later, the, the yield will be the same on both because yields are always the same. The yield on the 10-year treasury at 4.75 or whatever it is today, that's the yield across the board. Price goes up and down. That's only the, and the reason the price moves up and down in bonds is because it's adjusting for the yield. It's saying that if you want to sell your bond on any given day, in this current yield environment, that's the value of the bond because whoever buys that from you is wants the current listed coupon out there. So the, the current listed coupon is six. You've got a 5% coupon bond. I'll buy your bond, but I'm going to buy it $990, not $1,000. So you're going to lose $10 on your bond so that I get the same yield as I would get buying a brand new bond at 6%. So... I know that's confusing. Bond, bond math is confusing. It's like it's like my wife's girl math. She's convinced that if she buys something at 50% off, she made $50. So I'm just joking. That's not even close to true. She's very frugal with money. But I always tease her about girl math. She's now coming up with things about guy math. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So every time I buy a new gadget at the house. She's like guy math. I like, "Hey, yeah, but I save money." <laughs> Cuz I don't have to work as hard. 
my time is worth money. So I'm saving money if I buy something that reduces my workload at home. Guy math. But I know buying math is hard. And, and this is why, you know, we don't spend, uh, you know, any time in the media explaining bonds. And, and so there's a lot of misconceptions about how bonds work. But uh, again, you know, what happens in the short term over the course of a month or two? And, and yields can do anything in the short term. Right now, we've got a lot of liquidation. There is a huge, a record level of shorts against Treasury bonds right now. So you've got one side of this speculative market that is just shorting bonds. So the more the yields fall, they just keep shorting them, right? And so as they short them more and more and more and more, it's driving the price down because they're providing that selling pressure on bonds. Despite the fact you've got record inflows of capital going into treasuries, you've got a bigger side shorting them at the same time. So you know this is, this is that offsetting conundrum. Now, the, the issue is is that when that turns, for whatever reason, you have a recession, economic slowdown, the Fed just says, hey, we're done hiking rates, you know, whatever it is, whatever causes yields to turn, the reversion of that short position is going to drive yields down very quickly. So again, it's just a, a function of time before that happens. You know, we, but we get into these cycles where, again, just like the stock market, stocks can only go up there, you know, it's like in in 2020 stocks are they're going up here forever and then in 2022 you have a bear market right beginning of this year stocks are up 15 oh stocks can only go up from here and then you have a seven percent correction everybody's like oh stocks only go down from here so again it's always about psychology it's it's you know we get trapped into this idea that you know things are only going to go in one direction forever they don't go in one direction forever you've had a massive decline in both bond prices and a massive rise in yields, that's unsustainable long-term. You're going to break something in the economy or financially, and maybe we've already done that. But when that recognition of that event occurs, that's when yields fall. So again, it's just a, 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 a biding of time until you get to that point. You know, it's always interesting. And, and, you know, just I want you to think about one thing real quick for me. To set aside what's happening right now, in the last 20 years, if you could go back in time, if you could get into the, 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 the hot tub time machine and go back in time and select a date, just select a day that you could just put all your capital to work. You can, you can and, and just for the fun of this exercise, everybody's got a million dollars to invest. If you could go back in time and pick a point in the last 20 years where you put your money to work, what day would that be? For me, it'd be March the 9th, 2009. See, hindsight's a perfect science, right? We can go back in time, say March the 9th, 2009, then we had a 400% advance in the market. See, that's easy. But at the time, now, I say go back in time to March 9th, 2009, put your million dollars to work, but without the foresight of knowing what's going to happen next. See, and back then, everybody was convinced the market was going to zero. Nobody was willing to put capital to work. And you certainly wouldn't put 100% of your capital to work in the S&P on March the 9th, 2009. Because everybody was convinced the market could only go lower. We were in the middle of a financial crisis. Nobody knew about QE and all this other stuff that was going to come. So here you are today faced with 
a 50% decline in bond prices. Very much akin to any other major bear market in history. You've never had three years of negative returns in bonds in history. You may have one this year. But in 10 years, if you can look back and pick the point to where you could put your million dollars to work, where would it be? See, this is, this is the problem with emotions and investing and why it's so hard. Because when you get into these periods of uncertainty, we don't like uncertainty as humans. As humans, we abhor uncertainty. We abhor pain. And this is why, you know, as Baron the Rothschild once said, he says, you know, you have to buy when there's blood in the street. There's blood all over the bond market right now. Nobody wants it. Not saying you'll put, not saying you go put all your money into it, but you have to think about what happens next. And there's a big difference between bonds and stocks. Stocks can go to zero. Stocks can. U.S. government bond cannot. And if it does, it's nothing else is going to matter anyway. <laughs> but we're going to pay. You know, the bond's always going to get paid. So there is a limit to the price of how uh, to how far bond prices can fall. So again, just kind of keeping that in the back of your mind. Tough right now. No, it's tough environment. Period. Been a tough year. But we have to start thinking about what happens next. Anyway, all right. Thanks for joining today. Sorry to. Uh, Spend all your time telling stories today. Shorter material, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, have a great day. Get by the website. Our latest articles are out. Michael Leibowitz's new article is out on the website right now as well. Uh, just posted out this morning. So that's on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Where you're there, send your questions, comments, emails. Let us know what we can do for you. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow with Michael Leibowitz. And we'll talk probably more about stuff right here on The Real Investment Show. You know, kind of like Seinfeld, the show about nothing. Yeah. We're going to change our tagline. It's a show about stuff. We're going to talk stuff. All right. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. <laughs>